1: Talk Radio. Hello, hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Dr. Low Radio. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Low Noel. It's just a nickname, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another show. I'm a naturopathic doctor, as you guys know, and I have a focus in digestive health. Um, as I mentioned, the last couple of weeks, I actually just um, opened a new practice here in North County, San Diego area, as in Encinitas, so very, very excited to get this uh, whole business thing rolling. I've been working with a lot of patients over the phone and over Skype and kind of around the San Diego area, so it's nice to set some roots down and have my spot. I'm working with a medical doctor and a psychologist. It's very integrative, and it's a really, really cool environment. Check out my website for more information, drlaurennoel.com. We are getting primal today. We have the amazing Mark Sisson on the show. He is the author of The Primal Blueprint. I had the honor of meeting him um, couple months back at the Ancestral Health Symposium, and uh, I thought I was going to have to twist his arm a little bit to come on the show, and he was very happy to say yes, so that was really, really cool of him. I'll bring him on the air in just a few moments, but first, I want to give you guys a few announcements. Well, first and foremost, it is my dad's birthday today, so dad, happy birthday. I'm not going to say how old you are, but it's a big one, and I hope you enjoy the show, and I'm excited to see you this weekend. Um, Let's see here. ND, MD, and DO students and residents. So if you are a medical student or a resident, um, there's a conference coming up in November in Portland from the uh, American College for Advancement in Medicine. It's a mixer. Really important if you guys want to go, check it out. It's going to be a great uh, event to network and uh, possibly get a good job and a good integrative clinic. So check out um, acam.org for more information about that. We have a great lineup of future shows coming up. Uh, Next week, I will have Dr. Walter Crinion on the show. He's the author of Clean, Green, and Lean. And it's all about how toxins make you fat and how to get rid of them. So very relevant in this world we live in with this increasingly toxic environment. So find out how you can get rid of those toxins and lose pounds at the same time. The next week, October 25th, we'll have Dr. Carrie Louise Dinell on the show, all about how to heal the aging metabolism. So as you're getting older, finding it's harder to lose the pounds, obviously not the case for Mark Sisson, you've seen his photos, but uh, for many other people, um, you know, getting older and finding it's harder to lose the weight, learn how you can heal that aging metabolism. Um, November 1st, Chris Presser on the show, he's the healthy skeptic, very excited to talk all about the healthy baby code, how to be as healthy as you can to conceive, how to have a healthy pregnancy, and then also once you give birth, how to keep that baby and yourself healthy. Um, And then also, just confirm with Tori Hudson, Dr. Tori Hudson, she is a women's health expert um, for November, haven't decided what topic we're going to talk about. So if you have any ideas, let us know. We're thinking uh, herbal medicine for menopause. We're also thinking about maybe uh, uh, HPV and cervical dysplasia, natural treatments for that, very, very common nowadays. Also maybe thinking about um, PCOS. So if you have any suggestions, definitely let us know and we will for sure have a great show. I have my store up and running now, Uh, all the supplements I recommend for most of my patients, the books that I love, and all of the books written by previous Dr. Low radio guests. You can find it all in one place. Check out the website, DrLaurenNoel.com and click on shop and you can find that. On to our show for tonight. So we have Mark Sisson on the show. He is an amazing author. I've loved his book, The Primal Blueprint. Got about 75 pages into it. Definitely going to finish the rest this week. And I'm really looking forward to implementing a lot of this with my patients because I think it's very, very important material. Uh, Mark Sisson is an American fitness author and blogger, a formal distance runner, triathlete, and Ironman competitor. I'm reading this from Wikipedia, by the way, which I think is awesome. He has a Wikipedia page. Um, System finished 4th in the February 82 Ironman World Championship. He's written several books, including The Primal Blueprint, which is based on the Paleolithic diet. We'll be talking all about it today. And The Primal Blueprint is his fifth book. He also blogs at his very popular website, MarksDailyApple.com, which you can get lots of great recipes and all kinds of great information on that website. Uh, so Go ahead and... Well, Mark here on the air if my switchboard works. Mark, are you with us?
2: I'm here, Lauren. How are you?
1: I'm fabulous. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. My pleasure. Yeah, it's great to have you. So I got to meet you very briefly, obviously, at the Ancestral Health Symposium and I was picking your brain and trying to get all kinds of information out of you. And you know, I read a little bit about your, your story and your book. Um, can you tell us and the listeners just a little bit about your history, what got you to, you know, being the fabulous Mark that you are today and your, your specialty
2: you have. <laughs> I'm gushing. Well, uh, basically, yeah, I was.
1: Uh,
2: I grew up in Maine, of all places, uh, in in uh, on a, in a fishing village, and uh, was sort of interested from an early age in in being healthy and what it takes to be healthy, and started reading books. Uh, I don't know if any of your listeners remember Adele Davis, but she was sort of one of the first people to really write on health and diet, and my mom was really into that stuff. So I, I read a, a bunch of of early uh, books on uh, diet and weight loss and body composition and whatever was available in those days. And I'm talking about when I was like 12, 13, 14 years old. Um, I uh, I was too kind of skinny and kind of scrawny to play football, basketball, baseball. So I, I gravitated toward running. I, I lived uh, two miles from School I went to, and I just literally ran to and from school every day, kind of as a mode of transportation, just I just want to get home faster rather than walk um, uh, I wound up becoming a pretty good runner, and uh, in the um, late sixties, I read Ken Cooper's book on aerobics, which kind of validated all the running I was doing, and it basically said that if you did a lot of this aerobic activity that you would live longer and you would be healthier. so I thought, well, that makes sense i 'll keep doing what i'm doing so i ran more and more and and in those days uh that's about the time that the the conventional wisdom was suggesting that we eat lots of complex carbohydrates and cut way back on our fats so i did that um over the years i became a pretty good runner I, i culminated in a i finished fifth in the u.s national championships in 1980 and qualified for the olympic trials marathon and um i was a pretty fast runner but Uh, And for all intents and purposes, you would say, wow, that guy's pretty fit. But I was really unhealthy on the inside. It turns out that my training and my diet, in, in my efforts to try to do the right thing, what everybody told me or what I thought was the right thing, were actually antithetical to health. And so I had osteoarthritis and I had tendonitis and I had irritable bowel syndrome and chronic upper respiratory tract infections many times each year. I was just really kind of killing myself with this training regimen and with a diet regimen. The injuries mounted up, and I eventually had to literally retire from competition in the early 80s. And I, I decided to kind of look at what it would take to be healthy uh, with not quite so much pain and sacrifice and suffering and all of the struggle that I was I was um, assuming I needed to endure to be healthy. And that started me down this uh, very... Uh, long but um, but enlightened path to what we have today in the ter- in, in the form of the Primal Blueprint, which is my life way. It's basically a, a strategy that takes a look at modern genetic science and looks at evolutionary biology and kind of comes up with the what I like to call the hidden genetic uh, switches. How do we turn on genes that build muscle and how do we turn off the genes that store fat and, and cause inflammation? And it really is a it's a uh, I think a very empowering way of living and eating and, and uh, organizing your life that allows you to be optimally healthy and at the same time look good naked. Uh, <laughs> let's cut to the chase, right? So these are all the things that I've sort of um, uh, taken to heart myself, uh, and I've given this information to uh, a number of people. You know, Now it's millions of people through my blog, Mark's Daily Apple, and over the years as the as the blog posts became more and more uh insightful, as I if I do say so myself, I decided that there was a book there. So I wrote the book, The Primal Blueprint, and it has become a bestseller and it's doing very well and uh it's changed a lot of lives and here we are today talking on the phone to Doctor Lowe. <laughs>
1: Yes, it's amazing yeah, the journey. So, how did you go from, uh, I guess, this low-fat mentality, this endurance training type of, um, you know, view to changing it to this primal living and working out less and just kind of living in a, a way that we're designed to? How did that shift happen for you?
2: Well, the the working out less was forced upon me because I got so so injured, and then the the diet uh, was a leap of faith because I had done a lot of research over the years, and I really had delved into the concept of a, of a low-carbohydrate, high-fat um, way of eating. Uh, early on as an athlete, as an endurance athlete, I sort of explored that possibility that maybe I could become an efficient fat burner, and I wouldn't have to eat all those sugars, all those carbohydrates to fuel my muscles on a daily basis. So I really wanted this to work, just intellectually, uh, but it turns out the more research I did, the more I, I discovered what guys like Boyd Eaton and Lauren Cordain and Richard Feynman and and Michael Eads and and Gary Taubes and Rob Wolf and a lot of the other uh, authors have discovered over the past two decades, and it is that we were not designed to consume that much carbohydrate. We are basically born with a factory setting that has us really revved up to burn fat is our main source of energy. The problem is we reprogram our genes in the wrong direction from an early age, starting with how our parents who, you know, to their credit didn't know any better, don't know any better, um, feeding us, you know, zwybacks and pieces of bread and 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 goldfish and, you know, all of the other Cheerios and all the other little snack foods that kids get and the next thing you know that turns into breakfast cereals and pancakes and waffles and and sandwiches yeah. for lunch and spaghetti and and macaroni and cheese, and the next thing you know we 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 sort of turn into these obligate sugar burners, and my goal in life is to show people how you can literally transform your body from being this sugar dependent creature into a fat burning beast where you get most of your energy on a minute to minute basis all day long from the fat that's stored on your hips and your thighs and your arms and your Uh, and everywhere else that you want to get rid of it. I mean, that's the beauty of this whole program is that we can reprogram the genes to selectively derive most of your energy from your own stored body fat. When that happens, now you don't have the huge blood sugar dips during the day. Now you don't have the mood swings and the feel like uh, taking a nap at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Now if you skip a meal, it's no big deal. You, You just keep going. If you skip three meals, it's still... No big deal. And the and the worst that happens is you burn off some of your stored body fat, which is a pretty good thing.
1: Right. It's really all about healing that metabolism. And, and you can reprogram those genes. I mean, it's you know, I think people think, oh, these are my genes. This is what I'm stuck with. And you really clearly outline it in your book that that's just not the case, correct? Correct.
2: I mean, genes are basically, they're, they're like hardware. You don't change the genes. Let's be clear about that. I'm not talking about changing the genes. But genes are little on-off switches that build proteins that run every aspect of how our body and how our metabolism works so when we turn these two to, in order to turn these genes on or off they only respond to signals in the environment usually those signals come from the foods we eat uh, the air we breathe the types of exercise we choose to do certainly a lot of the drugs we take turn genes on or off and if we can kind of identify what are the ones that we want to turn on or off and 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 then go down that path, it's very empowering. And that's really what the Primal Blueprint is all about. It, it is about reprogramming the genes, giving them new software to turn them on or off in in the kind of uh, situations that we want to have happen so that we're not at the mercy of, well, you know, my parents were overweight and my uncle was overweight and my grandparents were overweight, so therefore I'm doomed genetically to be overweight. No, if you do the same things they did and eat the same foods they ate, you may head down that direction, but if you choose to send your genes different signals, it's quite likely that you'll be the first of your family to be lean, fit, strong, happy, healthy, productive, and you know, not have uh, heart disease at the age of 40 or 50.
1: Absolutely. 100% agreed. I'm in love with a lot of parts of your book, um, but one part in particular that really jumped out at me was um, you talking about grok is a character that's in your book, and it, it, it's a representation of, of a Paleolithic man, and, uh, and h- how his family lived from sunup to sundown, and then comparing that to the Korg family, which is Grok backwards, and really seeing how how the, um, you know, modern family lives and how off-base we are. I mean, it's just, it's like, it, these things seem normal to us because we're so used to seeing it, but it's so off-base on the way that we're designed to live, to eat, to move, to operate. Can you explain expand a little bit a little bit about sure i mean
2: i think that section of the book really resonates with a lot of people because when i describe the the modern Korg family they're trying to do the right thing they're reading all of the you know the 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 magazines with the covers that say you know six-pack abs and lose 10 pounds in two days they're trying to do all the right things but the problem is the conventional wisdom has steered so many of us down the wrong path and that's why you know, think, well, here we are in 2011 and we're, we're um, you know, the technology is so great and we can distribute all this information, but the reality is we've been getting more and more obese, more and more diabetic and arthritic and precancerous over the past three decades. What we've been told apparently isn't working. And that that basic admonition, for instance, that we have to make carbohydrates a major part of our daily diet or that we have to avoid fats at all costs, those are absolutely diametrically opposed to what those of us in this primal paleo-ancestral scientific realm understand to be true. The body needs saturated fat to survive. The body does not need a lot of carbohydrate. In fact, one of the interesting things that arises from the research is that you realize that there is no requirement in human nutrition for carbohydrate. You can live your entire life without eating a gram of carbohydrate and still do pretty well provided you you know you you handle other things appropriately. That's not true with fat or or protein. If you don't eat fat or protein, you'll die and oh, yeah. so we we get this understanding pretty quickly that we don't need as much carbohydrate as conventional wisdom suggests. So when I outline what the cords are doing as a family, you know getting up and the mom's going to spin class early on, and she's doing this what we call chronic cardio stuff, she's burning a lot of calories but the end result is she's so hungry throughout the day that she overeats to compensate for all the calories she burned. Meanwhile, she's feeding the kids, you know, whole grain waffles, which she thinks are healthy and they're not, and, and low-fat syrup and, and sugar-free this and, and, you know, getting going off to a juice bar to get a, a big hefty dose of juice during the middle of the day thinking, well, juice has to be healthy. It comes from fruit, when in fact she's slugging down 200 grams of sugar in so doing. Um, and the dad is taking you know his anti um anxiety meds and he's take cuz he's working too hard and he's and he's taking his uh his his proton pump inhibitors because he's got a little bit of gastroesophageal reflux you know these are this is pretty typical of many many families across this country they're seeing a doctor they've got a little problem here or there they think that it's either going to be medicine that's going to do it or or um you know some some eating some uh whole grain uh, diet, when in fact it goes much, much deeper than that. And that's really what we explore in the Primal Blueprint is what are the foods and what are the types of activities that we can do that, again, that turn on the genes we want to turn on and turn off the genes that cause inflammation or cause obesity or cause type 2 diabetes.
0: Mm-hmm. So what would the
1: day of Grok look like in his family? Well, How does that differ? What's, what's well, you know, if we look day? at
2: the typical hunter-gatherer, it's sort of interesting because we you know, it, I don't want to romanticize it because, look, times were tough 50,000 years ago. Uh, make no mistake. But it was basically one of, of hunting and gathering and getting whatever foods, uh, you know, they could they could gather, which did not include, by the way, ho-hos, ding-dongs, and, and uh, you know, uh, soft drinks and, and so on and so forth. It was largely plants, animals, and insects. I mean, that was really what they ate. And, and uh, I'm not suggesting people eat insects today, but... Some people do, uh, but it was um, lots of low-level aerobic activity. So there was none of this, oh, lace up the Nikes and go out for a 10-mile run at a 80% of your max heart rate. No, our ancestors did a lot of walking, which, by the way, is a um, almost entirely fueled by fat. So you don't need carbohydrate to do a lot of walking. There's no, there's no necessity to, to eat lots of carbs to be able to walk long distances. So they walked, they migrated, they foraged. They crawled. They climbed. Um, Every once in a while, they lifted heavy things. You know, they built a shelter. They lifted a rock up to get to something. They carried a a carcass back to camp from uh, where the kill had been. Uh, They did a lot of uh, resting. I mean, if you're a hunter-gatherer, you're not going to be out um, doing kind of uh, make work just for the sake of working out. If you're a hunter-gatherer, you want to conserve your energy. So there's a lot of sitting around... Telling stories, playing, grooming, socializing, and this is one of the things that I think is most missing from our lives today is that aspect of a hunter-gatherer experience. Our brains expect us to be uh, social in small groups and to play games and to have fun throughout the day, not to be so beholden to, you know, putting in punching the clock from eight to five and then coming home and and uh, you know hit, hitting the gym and doing an hour of Of cardio and then coming home exhausted and not being able to hang out with your family or your kids and just kind of veg out in front of the TV. That's not how we're designed. So we look at all of these hunter-gatherer behaviors that our genes expect of us. Now, when when I say our genes expect of us, two million years of human evolution, we we exhibited these ten behavioral laws. Eat lots of plants and animals, you know, avoid poisonous things, move frequently at a slow pace get adequate sleep. Sleep is huge, and we somehow seem to think that we don't need that much sleep, or goodness, it's 11 o'clock. If I go to bed now, I might miss the, uh, the 11 o'clock news, or I might miss a rerun of Seinfeld or something. If I, you know. All of these opportunities that, that are in front of us right now tend to uh, distract us and overwhelm us in many cases. So I look at, okay, how can we kind of reclaim what our – our our genetic legacy is our genes expect of us and and still do so in the context of a of an enjoyable comfortable convenient sometimes even hedonistic 21st century uh environment i'm not suggesting that we again romanticize this all and go camp out in our backyards you know hunt hunt the squirrels that are going through the yard um it's really about getting the most out of our um 21st century convenience blended with what our genes expect of us to be lean, strong, fit, happy, healthy, and productive.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Not forgetting what, how our genes are really, how we're designed to live. You know, I mean, we're obviously not going to go out and live in the woods like you're saying, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love that really just, I, I was looking at all the different ways that I guess uh, uh, grok lived I, I want to say korg uh, grok lived the uh, hunter gatherer and i was just like wow there's so much of that that i do already but i forget about the uh the play time you know i'm 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 very similar to the korg family it's go 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 and i forget to play um and that's that's really what it's all about is bringing that all down and just enjoying you know being a part of a tribe and so much of being in this individualistic culture it, Really well, you know, it's interesting because
2: we I think we we sort of intellectually get that we ought to play more, but we don't really understand the wide ranging ramifications of what that brings. And you just touched up on it a little bit. It's not just about the play; it's about the stress reduction and the and bringing the cortisol levels down, and the socialization, and the interaction, and the and the connection, and the groundedness that we feel. Um, all of those things are integral to our health. And when we don't uh, Pay heed to those, and when we sort of overlook them or say, "Well, I just I don't have time to relax, or I don't have time to to play," we are um, interfering with certain hormone systems that lead to certain genetic uh, switches being turned on or off that could uh, impact our health now and into the future. One example would be, you know, a lot of uh, of us are under stress, and if we don't somehow ameliorate that stress. And usually, what it takes is just sitting quiet, or being in a in a calm situation, or meditating, or praying for some people. And but when we don't take that time, uh, and we don't de-stress, uh, we secrete a lot of cortisol uh, chronically, and that cortisol uh, suppresses our immune system. We might get sick more often, um, and ostensibly that just may show up as more colds and flu. But who knows what's happening at a more um, sophisticated level with cancer? I mean, we've got you know our immune systems are there to basically keep us from getting cancer all the time. We are always encountering mutagens and cells that have gone awry, and it's our immune system that deals with that. Well, when you shut down the immune system, when you compromise the immune system, you take that defense away, and that's not good for long-term health. So it all kind of comes back to this combination of, okay, with through my diet, I want to make sure that I support my health. You know, too much sugar suppresses the immune system, so I don't want too much sugar. Um, Healthy fats support the immune system, so I want healthy fats. But I also want to make sure that I get enough sleep because that supports my immune system. And that allows my cells to repair themselves after a day of of hard work. Uh, And I want to play. And the the play, once again, we keep coming back to this, but you and I met at the Ancestral Health Symposium where I was giving a a talk on play. And uh, Mm -hmm. one of the things that I I really stressed there was that among hunter-gatherer societies, they don't have money, and they don't have possessions, and they don't own cars. And you know, you ask a hunter gatherer if he's affluent, and once you explain the concept of affluence to a hunter gatherer, he'll say, "Well, wow, yeah. Are you kidding? I've got a pig and a goat, a daughter, a wife. I have shelter over my, you know, head. I eat when I want, and I sit around and do nothing. Uh, for you know, I, I work 16 hours a week max, and then I play the rest of the time." Yeah. You tell me I'm not wealthy. You know, tell me I'm not affluent. What's the? What is your concept of affluence? And it's ironic how we kind of spend so much time trying to earn enough money that we don't have to work anymore and we can play.
1: Right.
2: And that that's the irony of being uh, beholden to the to the American dream and the bigger better house and the faster car and the vacations and the and the job and it and it's really if you, when it comes right down to it, the true human currency. Is leisure time among mm. hunter gatherers? It's leisure time. That's what they that's what they value the most is their ability to sit around and do nothing right. and not feel guilty about it. By the way,
1: right? You know exactly. how many of us, when
2: we sit around doing nothing, are going, "Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just I'm beating myself up because I should be out working." <laughs> right. You know, so yeah.
1: So you anyway, we're digressing hormones. here you might a as little well bit. Just go work. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so. Let's see, what was I going to ask you next? I have so many questions. I just love this book. Um, Let's jump into, you talk about insulin as uh, just such a huge, um, huge component uh, of of disease processes nowadays, inflammation, and how really, um, you said it's as simple as this. If you have excess body fat, it's directly reflective of the amount of insulin you produce from your diet combined with your familial genetic predisposition to stored fat. Correct. speak a little bit about that, the importance of insulin, and, and how this diet um, addresses that?
2: Sure. Well, basically, there are two aspects to your genes, one of which is the genes that make you human. And every, everybody has a set of genes. It's a recipe for a healthy, happy, productive human being. Um, and like many recipes, it can turn out differently depending on the ingredients and depending on how you cook it. But we each have a recipe for, for a human residing within us. Now, some of the variations come from our parents, So we all burn fat the exact same way. We all build muscle the exact same way. It's just the degree to which we do that that varies among individuals as a result of the genes that your parents gave you. Uh, So that's important to realize that when we're talking about burning fat and recomposing our bodies, you know, trying to get to an ideal body composition, uh, a lot of... Our body fat that's stored on us is stored as a result of excess insulin. When you increase the amount of carbohydrates in your diet, carbohydrates drive insulin up, and insulin is a fat storage hormone. Yes, insulin is important for everybody to live. A little bit is good, but a lot is not good. In fact, a lot is is dangerous. What we try to do with this Primal Blueprint eating strategy is, is maintain a lower carbohydrate intake and limit it to... Vegetables and a few fruits and maybe some tubers, so what we eliminate are the grains, the beans, so we're getting rid of literally cereal, bread, pasta, crackers, cookies, ice cream, dessert, you know all the sugary stuff and all of the all the grains. But what that leaves us with are still some very healthy carbohydrate sources in the form of vegetables, uh, and when you are able to uh, reconfigure your diet in that regard you will lower the amount of insulin you produce on a daily basis. When that happens, when you lower the amount of insulin in your body, all of a sudden that unlocks your fat cells. When insulin is high in the body, insulin locks fat into fat cells so that it cannot get out, which means that people who are grossly overweight have all of this energy stored in fat cells, but they can't get it. They can't access it so that their muscles can burn it. Well, when their muscles are wanting to work, all of a sudden these people get hungry again, for more food, even though they have 100 pounds, 200 pounds, 300 pounds of stored fat on them, because the insulin is locking the fat into the fat cells. When you lower the insulin, it unlocks these fat cells and allows the fat that are, that's in there to get into the bloodstream and into your muscles, where your muscles will burn it as fuel. And again, that's a beautiful thing. Every time your muscles burn fat for fuel, you are... Um, honoring your your primal hunter-gatherer genes. Your factory setting at birth was to burn fat for fuel. Uh, and it's really, yes, there are a ton of other hormones involved. There's le- leptin and ghrelin, and there's cortisol and testosterone and, um, you know, PPY and a, a number of other hormones. But at the top of this heap sits insulin. And what I say in the book, and I continue to say it to this day, is that if you can get insulin under control through how you eat, all the other hormones tend to fall into place,
1: yeah, absolutely. I love when you uh refer to thyroid function in here with its relationship to insulin. So many women have hypothyroidism nowadays, and I think probably ninety nine point nine percent of the time their doctors don't talk to them about their adrenal health uh, their their blood sugar balancing how if you have insulin issues, hyper insulin spikes, you're not converting t four to t three you know, and that's the act, T3, is the active thyroid hormone. It's just a huge component. So I, I really like that you mentioned that in there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, um, it, it sort of lends itself to a false uh, hypothyroid diagnosis.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's all about looking at the cause. So let me ask you, for, for diabetics, like two, type 2 diabetics, for example, is this something that that you've seen in your experience where they can jump right into doing the primal blueprint or is it something where they have to transition into it or... Yeah, I
2: you know, I think type two diabetics um are probably among the most uh positively affected by the primal blueprint eating strategy. Yeah. And we have seen thousands of cures and I'll word, I'll use the word cure. When when you, you get a person who's been living on meds for three or four years and now is completely off meds, has lost the weight, has uh normal blood sugar on a on a day to day basis, on an hour to hour basis, that's what I call a cure. Uh, We we see this all the time. It's probably with type two diabetes. It's is probably the most um, um, opportunistic condition in our in our American society right now because no one has to get it. It's a I hate to use the word it's a stupid it's stupid disease because but it it is no one has to get type two diabetes and it's entirely diet related. Now you can say well I've got a genetic predisposition to type two diabetes. Let me tell you something. Everybody, every human has a predisposition to getting type 2 diabetes. In fact, when you get, if you get type 2 diabetes, I'm going to say, wow, that's an example of your perfect human genes trying to protect you from your inability to control your sugar intake and your lack of exercise. You know, your genes are just doing what, you're, what the signals you're giving them. And it's a, it's, it's a way of your body trying desperately to protect you in the short term from killing yourself. The problem is in the long right. term, you wind up with with um insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome and eventually type two diabetes and eventually, if it goes on long enough, you know then you exhaust your beta cells and then then you've got type three diabetes or type two and a half diabetes or whatever where it becomes mm-hmm. insulin dependent again um, so to answer your question, yeah, absolutely type two diabetics benefit from this program and and it's one where you can kind of I see people go go at it whole hog. They go, you know, Mm -hmm. I won't say cold turkey, but they they're they're able to embrace this concept of lowering their carbohydrate intake pretty radically. Now, the only problem is if you're already taking if you're taking tons of of meds to lower blood sugar, and then you um, decide that you want to cut your carb intake dramatically on your own, you got to be careful with that because you know I'd certainly do it if I in in all of these cases I'd work with a physician. Um, Right. You know, and I do it. I would tend to do it gradually, but we see it happen all the time, and and it's really a very very powerful experience to to have gone from uh, a person who's fearing the the many health consequences of being a type two diabetic for the rest of their lives, whether it's uh, you know loss of vision, loss of uh, per- peripheral neuropathies, or loss of limbs. Uh, to a person who who realizes, wow, I don't have to be type two diabetic ever again. It's all based on my food choices and my, and I'm, I must add, my exercise
1: choices. Absolutely, absolutely. For those people who just uh, tuned in, we're talking to Mark Sisson, author of Primal Blueprint. Uh, if you want to call in and ask a question, eight one eight four nine five. 6919. That's 818-495-6919. I see some people on the switchboard. If you want to ask a question, go ahead and press 1, and we will bring you on the air. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think I totally agree with you, Mark. I um, I've put patients on on this plan, and it's been really remarkable results. And I, I do some rounds in, um, you know, nursing homes and senior living centers, and those are the, the, the population that would really benefit from this. They're elderly. They've been diabetic for a while. And, you know, if you look at what they eat, it's all carbs. It's Insure. It's you know, oatmeal, it's just totally the food guide pyramid. And uh, the thing that's tough, though, is their their meals are actually put together by the registered dietitians, which go on the food guide pyramid. So, you know, I go in there and I say, this is what I really want this patient to have, and they're like, absolutely not, because he he has diabetes, so he'll get hypoglycemia, and it's like, well, that's when you adjust the meds.
2: You know what right, I mean? Exactly. It's like they, just, yeah. they
1: don't even, it's, it's not even seen like that. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff.
2: Um, no, it's, I it's it scary. Was... I mean, I think, I think you know, I, I, I have no concept of what's involved in getting a, a a registered dietitian certificate, but that it's so dogmatic and it's been this way for so long, it has to be, um, it has to be looked at critically because yeah. I, you know, I visited people in the hospital. Um, my mother was in the hospital for some breast cancer a couple of years ago, and and she's fine and and I think she's got another at least another 10 years in her now so wow. it was a it was a nasty a uh, time for her but I looked at the food that they were giving her and I just about screamed it was yeah. so bad and it was all <laughs> you know jello and and mashed potatoes and bread and juice <laughs> oh please. yeah
1: the I know the last it's thing crazy, you give right? a person
2: who's got cancer is is you know sugar
1: yeah yeah, there's a total disconnect between what you eat and how you feel and how your disease progresses or, yep. you know, yep. yeah, it's it's crazy. But, you know, that's why we got to continue to spread this awareness and let people know what's really going on. So yeah, Absolutely. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I was listening to a couple other interviews you did on other shows and um, talking about just breakfast and how people are like, you have to have breakfast every single day. You have to eat every, you know, every three hours for blood sugar balancing. What's your take on that?
2: Well, again, once you realize that you can reprogram your genes to derive most of your energy from stored body fat, um, and by the way, it doesn't have to be stored body fat. If you're a low-body fat guy like me, you just derive most of your energy from the fat in your meals, if you want. Um, but there's no – once you realize that, you realize I don't have to break fast at 8 o'clock in the morning. I mean, I've, I my body handles – I sleep beautifully. I wake up in the morning, I might have a cup of coffee, but I don't have I usually don't eat anything until 10:30 or 11. Um I might work out before I have anything to eat. And 10 or 20 years ago in the fitness community, that was like, wow, that was that was heretical, man. That was so oh that's so bad for you. You're going to cannibalize muscle tissue and you're going to you know, you're going to uh, whatever. The answer is that it you know, once I become so adept at burning fat, I don't need to be replacing sugar. When I Go without eating a meal, my body doesn 't cannibalize my muscle tissue. I maintain my muscle mass quite easily because I never have to tap into it i 'm burning fat most of the time. I have become fat adapted and keto adapted and that's another thing that a lot of we could have a whole show on ketosis and how so much of the medical community is afraid of this word ketosis uh, and you know ketones are are these wonderful molecules that are a byproduct of gluconeogenesis in the liver when the liver is using fat to, to drive this whole conversion and they spin off these little ketones the body for 2 million years well for 20 million years but for the last 2 million years of human evolution we've adapted to be able to incorporate these ketones as fuel and so we actually unburden the rest of our body of our huge requirement of any kind of glucose so we can use ketones and fats to drive most of our energy uh, minute to minute, day by day, and not have to depend on. Oh my goodness, I haven't eaten for two hours. I'm going to starve, or I'm going to rip someone's head off. I remember in the old days when I would get on a flight, uh, a coast to coast flight, and if I found out that they didn't have food, I'm, I mean, I'm, it's lucky I didn't wind up in jail because I would have gone ballistic. <laughs> you know, I, I had to eat every two or three hours. Yeah. Now um, I use those opportunities. Those I, I'll use a, a, a an intercontinental flight, a 13-hour flight and not eat, and use it as an opportunity to do what we call intermittent fasting. There's a benefit to actually actually not eating for long periods of time, and I say long periods of time, 20 hours to 25 hours. There's a benefit to that in terms of your body repairing itself, which is an exciting new area of research. So back to the whole breakfast thing, forget it. Breakfast is if If you're hungry when you get up, have some breakfast. But if you're not hungry, don't force yourself, to eat breakfast just because you heard from somebody else, it's the most important meal of the day. By the way, who says it's the most important meal of the day? Kellogg's and Post, you know, <laughs> right? it's a marketing ploy. Oh,
1: that's funny, Kellogg's. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's always good to find out where these things come from, right? What are yeah. their What's their agenda? Yeah. Um. So, how often do you fast?
2: So, um, I don't fast that often, and I'll tell you why. Um, I, as I just said, I fast usually when I'm, um because uh, then I find it's convenient, and I don't worry about the crappy food that I'm going to have to encounter. So that's when I choose to fast. Uh, I don't I don't choose to fast when I'm home because I like to eat. I do like to eat. I enjoy every meal I ever have. And people say, well, uh, you know, how can you go without eating pasta and bread and all this? I say, look, I have a two-pound ribeye steak, a big bowl of steamed mushrooms with a slathered in butter, um, a you know, a glass of Cabernet and that and you feel sorry for me i mean i'm I feel a ribeye steak it's so funny. I tell people you know i I might get a a two pound ribeye steak. I can't finish the whole thing, so i i I trim off all of the lean parts and give that to my dog, and I eat the fat
0: <laughs>
2: i mean i'm I'm a big fan of of enjoying that food that provides satiety and and pleasure, and that's the reason I've got two cookbooks out, so I have the, uh, the Primal Blueprint Cookbook, and then we have a more recent one called Primal Blueprint Quick and Easy Meals. And when people look at these kinds of foods that you can eat on the Primal Blueprint, um, they're just astounded at the fact that these are not only healthy according to my way of eating, but that they're just lavish and tasty and and scrumptious and all the words you know, delicious, all the things you want that you want a food to be. Versus uh, when I talk about, people say, "Well, don't you miss eating a, eating pasta?" I go, look, I mean, the only reason to eat pasta is as a vehicle to eat red sauce or meat sauce or something else. <laughs> Whose favorite meal is a plain bowl of spaghetti?
1: Right. You
2: know, who who loves a bowl of steel-cut oats with nothing on, no cream, no sugar, no 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 fruit or anything, just the oats? It's just beige glop. You know, grains don't really provide any kind of uh, gustatory delight the way meat, fish, fowl, you know, eggs, and... and, and Dress them up with herbs and spices. Oh, it's uh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm in this for the for the enjoyment, for the pleasure. I love to eat, so that's what I do when I'm home. And then when I find myself having to skip a meal because of work, I do not for one second agonize about. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop dead or I'm gonna you know cannibalize my muscle tissue. Muscle tissue. I just I just go until until it's until I'm, it's, a, it's available to eat, and then I they'll eat.
1: Right like your healthy metabolism should allow you. I'm looking here at your uh, cookbook. It's uh, really, really beautiful. It's very colorful, and the, the recipes look amazing. I'm excited to try this, this all with my patients. Normally, yeah. I send them to your website to get some recipes, and now I can have them buy a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really great. So who, who's Jennifer Meyer? Is she a chef?
2: Yeah, so Jennifer, I have at Mark's Daily Apple, my website, I now have a staff of researchers, and um, I have an editor, and Jennifer is my cooking editor, and has been for the last uh, three years. So every Saturday we do a new recipe on Mark's Daily Apple, and over the years we've put together um, recipes that that never that were never on the website, but that are unique enough to be in a cookbook. So we've created this cookbook, and she's a, a wonderful food creationist and uh, well creator, not
0: creationist. <laughs> she's
2: a food creator. And uh, and a pretty, she's become a pretty good photographer, and, and we have a lot of fun. Kind of, I, I'll sometimes recommend some stuff, and she'll go, "We can't do that. You know, you can't make baloney fudge ice cream." <laughs>
0: um,
2: but uh, uh, we, no, we you know barbecued hippopotamus lips. You just can't find it in a local <laughs> store. So, right. Uh, but we come up with some pretty pretty interesting things, and people seem to love the cookbooks, and we're very uh, proud of that because again, this is uh, you you know once you. Understand what's going on with the reprogramming of their genes and cutting back on these dangerous carbs. And by the way, it's not all about carbs. We cut back on the the seed oils, the industrial oils like uh, uh, corn oil, soybean oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, and so on. We cut back on those as well and trans fats. Uh, but once you once you eliminate all this bad stuff, you find that that the that the stuff you can eat is just uh, it, it it's this. Creates this amazing uh, opportunity to have something new at every single meal for the rest of your life. It's just really exciting, and so people buy the cookbook and they go, "Well, I, you know, I've I've had the cookbook for four months and I've almost made everything in it. You know, I've only got three things left. <laughs> it's very cool to hear
1: that." very very cool. So I'm sure you get a lot of questions about fiber. I'm just curious about you addressing this um, you know everyone thinks oh I need to have my grains to have my fiber. I won't build a poo if I don't have my cereal or my yeah. oatmeal. What, well, I mean what's it, the it, answer?
2: It, it's um, it's a it's a long answer but basically you don't need as much fiber as people think you need. Most of the reason that the governmental authorities and the medical authorities would suggest that you take extra fiber is because you are already stopping your system up with with the fiber that you're getting from the grain, so a lot of the whole grains that we eat contain fiber, and it's uh, much of it is a digestible and some of it is indigestible fiber that they think is scouring your insides and cleaning you out and is beneficial when in fact it's it's actually irritating your insides it's harming the lining of your intestines and probably ought to be avoided um, at least on a not not being consumed on a regular basis. so what I say is you get all the fiber you need from the vegetables and fruits that you consume on a healthy primal blueprint eating strategy. Uh, You don't need to supplement that. And in many cases, if you do supplement it, uh, as I've seen with people taking psyllium husk or other things, again, you can do more damage to your intestines and to your colon from taking certain types of supplemental fiber. It's just not necessary. People say, well, I won't won't poop as well or I won't be as regular. One of the reasons that you're regular now um, if you're on a high-fiber diet, it's because your body's trying desperately to get rid of that stuff. Uh, and it's causing inflammation in your intestines, and your intestines don't want to be inflamed. And it's causing uh, mucus to increase, which makes all that stuff slide out a little bit easier, which people think, oh, that's a good thing. It's sliding out easier, when in fact it's a bad thing. When, you're, when you examine the stool, not that I'm suggesting you do that or I do that, but in the lab, when they look at that, um, the, the typical human stool is mostly water, and then the rest, most of the rest is bacterial turnover. You have about 60 to 100 trillion bacteria living in your gut, and those bacteria die on a daily basis. And some are good and some are bad. And so most of poop is actually bacterial turnover that is exiting the body and making room for new bacteria on a, on a, on a daily basis. Not so much of it fiber and it's not necessary to have fiber be an integral part of, of a stool. So um, a friend of mine, Konstantin Monasterski, wrote a book a number of years ago called Fiber Menace, and he's probably the preeminent researcher in this area. And And if you read that book, you will never take another tablespoon of psyllium as long as you live.
1: Really? And, fiber yeah. Menace? Yeah. Okay. I'll check that out. Interesting. So in your opinion, um, is there ever a reason for a human being to consume grains ever in their life?
2: Uh no, there's there's no good reason to make grains any part of your diet except if you're starving and that's all you have. And and unfortunately <laughs> the way the world is today, um the reality of, of uh you know, Somalia and most of Africa for that matter, and uh parts of India and so on where these where people are literally starving, we've gotten ourselves into an overpopulation situation where we can't we can't deliver the kind of food that we need to. If, if you're starving, you know, go for it. But if you are living in this country today, uh, there is no good reason to make grains any part of your of your daily diet. The best reason that I could think of, and it's not a very good one, is it's a cheap source of calories. It converts into glucose, sugar, very rapidly in your bloodstream. And that's the only good reason. And if you're trying to cut back on sugar, you know, your, your body doesn't recognize the gluc doesn't know the difference between the glucose you get from a bowl of pasta versus the glu- glucose you get from a bowl of Skittles.
1: Right.
2: Once it's in the bloodstream, it's glucose. Glucose is glucose, and the brain recognizes it as glucose, and that's where some of the sugar dependency comes comes for some people. They get a sweet tooth um, that's that's promoted because they also eat a lot of bread and pasta and potatoes that convert to glucose and just kind of continually perpetuate that reliance upon glucose when in fact they should be going the other direction and burning fat
1: right so to make that transition from being a sugar burner into a fat burner how does how is that transition done Um, well it
2: takes it takes 21 days and um, coincidentally next week on Tuesday the 18th I'm introducing a new book called the primal blueprint 21 day total body transformation and it's a guidebook that takes people through every single step they need to do to go primal in 21 days. Every single thing they need to do with their pantry and their refrigerator, their shopping habits, their dining habits, their eating out habits, their exercise program, their sleep, everything they need to do to slowly reprogram the genes in the direction of, of becoming an efficient fat-burning beast. Now, when we say 21 days, you know that's also just coincidentally the time it takes to create a new habit. So in about 21 days you can convert yourself from an obligate sugar consumer into a luxurious fat-burning beast who um, is is always trending toward an ideal body composition. And this is really about upregulating some some enzyme systems and genes and downregulating others. That's all it is. So when when you present your body less sugar, it has to adapt. It has to become ready to burn fat more frequently. It lowers the amount of insulin. It takes the fat out of fat cells. It starts to increase the amount of metabolic machinery in the muscles that burns fat. And all of this stuff doesn't happen overnight, but it happens over a period of a few weeks. Now, some people may encounter a situation a a week or two into this where they feel a little bit woozy or feel a little bit kind of lightheaded. That's what we call the low-carb flu. And when that is happening... It's actually a good thing, but what it means is that you are transitioning into being able to to deliver uh, fat to your muscles and, and take that out of the fat stores, the body fat, and put it into the muscles where it can be burned, but the brain is still expecting sugar because the brain takes the longest time to adapt, and the brain is still ex- expecting a huge amount of sugar every three or four hours, and if it doesn't get it, it goes, hey man, where's my sugar, and the rest of the body's going, look, we're trying to become fat burning beasts here so just hang on and everybody gets over it it takes a you know um, some people don't even notice the difference by the way but for those who do uh it's it's not the greatest feeling in the world but you, you get past it in a couple of days and once you get past it once you get on the other side of that virtually everybody says wow i just have more energy than ever i don't have these wild energy swings throughout the day where i'm 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 you know bouncing off the walls after lunch and then two thirty i feel like taking a nap and three o'clock, wow. I feel like reaching for a bagel. No, that's that's gone forever. And uh, so this is the 21-day total body transformation. It's available starting on Tuesday, the 18th. You can buy it on Amazon now. But if your listeners want to get it, they should wait until Tuesday to buy it because I'll be offering a ton of free free gifts if they buy it that week. Just because I've, I'm trying to get it on the New York Times bestseller list.
1: Ooh, what are the gifts? Or is it a secret? Or can you tell us? Because no, no, gifts I can
2: are? tell you. Um, we've got. Uh, we put together a free hundred page ebook that's only available to people who buy the twenty one day total body transformation and on this ebook which you can download um immediately after um sending us your a receipt from amazon or barnes and noble we 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 put we put ten questions out to to thirteen hundred people um on what it took to, you know how did you get primal what were some of the hurdles what were some of the stumbling blocks what are some of the tips and We got, like I said, we got 1,300 responses back. Uh, We've amassed this a most amazing uh, e-book, which is basically people who are giving you coaching tips on how you can um, incorporate some of these strategies into your primal uh, lifestyle. So that's pretty fun. Uh, They can download a uh, one-hour interview with me. That's, again, a proprietary interview with one of my editors on the book here where we really go in-depth into the uh, eight key concepts that are in this book. Uh, if you buy multiple books, we add on other things, coupons good for products off at, at my store, plus plus the stuff you already get, um, an opportunity to get free autographed books. Uh, if you buy a thousand books, I'll you know if you're a captain of industry and you buy a thousand books that day, I'll come out and do a seminar at your place of business and help you get all your employees to go primal. It's kind of fun. Oh, we got all these different all these different opportunities here.
1: That sounds great. I'd love the clinic where I work to uh, go primal. That would be really, really great to have the whole staff go primal. i to chat yeah. about that. <laughs> um, that's really, really cool. I, uh, I see a bunch of people on the switchboards. If you guys want to ask questions, press 1. We have just a few more minutes if you want to ask a question for Mark. Um, and if you are listening on your computer, if you want to call in 818 818- Four nine five six nine one nine. That's 818 It looks like someone just got brave enough. <laughs> uh, Caller from the 864, you're on Dr. Low Radio with Mark Sisson. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, Lauren,
2: it's Jimmy Moore from the Living Little Little Carp Chef.
1: How's it going? Good to hey, have Jimmy. you
2: on the show. <laughs> awesome show tonight, guys, awesome show. Hey, uh, Mark, I wanted to uh, see what you thought about the whole brouhaha about the so-called safe starches, um, it seems like there's a lot in the paleo community um, who tend to say you have to have these safe starches and that being in a ketogenic state um, in and of itself can't be healthy. Uh, what say you? Well, first of all, I have to give you kudos, man. That piece you did last week where you asked all the, all the players in the in the paleo-ancestral primal world to chime in, was brilliant, and I think it really, uh, you know, it it opened a lot of eyes. Um, I actually mentioned it on uh, Rob Wolf's podcast today, which is going up on the 18th as well. I thought you did a fabulous job with that. Um, And I'll just reiterate what I said there, which is I think, you know, this idea that there are safe starches is, um, it just depends on the person. And if people have weight to lose, the only way to do that is to control insulin. The only way to control insulin is to cut the amount of carbs. These, a lot of these safe starches, and we're talking about potatoes and rice and things like that. This is what what Jimmy's kind of uh, bringing up here. Um, they tend to drive insulin uh, fairly high in short periods of time, and this is this is antithetical to weight loss. Uh, so, when people have excess weight to lose, I don't think there's any such thing as as trying to incorporate large amounts of safe starches. If you're an athlete and if you're out there training hard and you insist on working out hard every day, it, there's, those are probably good choices, you know, uh, refueling your glycogen stores with some safe, safe starches a la um, uh, sweet potatoes, white potatoes, rice. Again, not not trending toward the wheat or the things that we know are, are uh, contain anti-nutrients, but what, what the... Um, the community is starting to call safe starches. So yeah, if you're an athlete or if you're a day laborer or something like that, that's fine. But if you are someone who's uh, trying to lose weight, I'm just I'm I'm I'm, I'm not in support of that. Now, uh, in terms of this mention of um, of ketosis, and we talked about this earlier on the show. Um, I'm a big fan of ketosis, and I think ketosis is a natural, normal condition uh, of human metabolism. It's not something that you need to be um, you know, ramping up hundred percent of the time all the time, but it's very safe for periods of time and and uh people who are doing low carb uh day in and day out, very few of those people as far as I know, experience any issues with it so i think I think ketosis is a is a great tool to use to decrease your reliance on glucose and to uh you know in- increase your uh, capacity for doing work when you let's just say you're you're doing sub, what we call submaximal work you know you're a, you're doing a, even marathon trainers um can get to the point where they're using a lot of ketones and fat and very little glycogen and glucose at a pretty high level of output i think i think there's a whole branch of of exercise physiology that will will start to explore in the next 10 years that will look at ways of, of sparing glycogen through uh ketogenic diets and ketogenic training programs
1: Mm-hmm. I 100% agree with that answer as well. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy sent me that email too. And, um, you know, I know for myself the safe starches, for, for my patients at least, they may not aggravate them from an antigen standpoint. Maybe they're not mounting an immune response per se. Um, you know, in the case of like celiac, for example, it's not like gluten, for example. It doesn't, you know, spin them out in that way. But but looking at blood sugar, it definitely can can aggravate blood sugar imbalances and spike up insulin. Um, and also in cases of uh, patients with candida, you know, if they have yeast overgrowth, something like a bunch of rice or a bunch of sweet potatoes is just not going to be a good idea for them. So it really just depends on the individual patient. So I totally agree with that. Yep. Um, oh. Yeah. And it looks like Jimmy's call actually dropped. <laughs> so hopefully he heard our answer. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and if he calls back, we can bring him back on. But um, really, really good answer, Mark. Thanks well, I mean, that.
2: you know, and again, th- this, is, this is not about... Um, me having right or wrong answers. This is about me having an opinion based on science, and this is not about there's good, you, you, there are choices. And, and like, I might choose to have a couple of bites of a really good-looking baked potato, slathering right. butter, I might add. that <laughs> You know, that doesn't make me a non-primal guy or a non-paleo guy. It just makes sure. me a guy who knows exactly what he's doing. I don't go into that. You know, now they have baked potatoes as big as your forearm, um, I don't I don't do that, but I don't I also don't shy away from the occasional uh, couple of mouthfuls of dessert once in a while, or I don't pick the rice off my sushi. You know, I'm, right. I'm I'm incorporating this into a lifestyle so that I enjoy everything I eat and I don't feel guilty about anything I eat. But I I do both of those because I'm I'm aware of everything that I eat and I know the I know the ramifications of what I put in my mouth, and it's just then it just becomes a choice. Am I, for instance, and this is a good one, um, a lot of people say, well, you know, you can't, like, what about dessert? Because if you become fat-adapted and keto-adapted, and then you have a, a big piece of birthday cake at somebody's birthday, um, isn't that going to throw you off? And the answer is, yes, it will. When you become that sensitized to, uh, to sugar uh, and insulin to that extent, uh, a big piece of birthday cake will make you feel like crap. You know, and, and I get this report from people all the time. They say, well, you know, I, I was eating, doing so well, and then I had a big piece of pizza or I had a piece of cake or something like and I felt like crap for the next four or five hours. Well, that's a great opportunity to review what your body, what happens to your body all the time when you're eating like crap because that same thing is happening in your body all the time. But now that you become so sensitive to these things and so attuned to what's going on in your body that when you do eat that stuff, that high sugar input, and you notice what it does to yourself, you get the opportunity to go back and go, Wow, let me see, was the four minutes of gustatory pleasure worth <laughs> the five hours of agony of not being able to sleep because my heart was racing or that I was sweating or I was you know, all of the things that, that happen as a result of 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 that bolus of sugar. And over time you go, you know what? It's just not worth it. So instead of having a whole piece of cake, I know my limit. A man's got to know his limitations. I'll have two bites of that cake. It'll be all I need. I get the sensation. I move on. And that's kind of how I feel about rice and potatoes, too. I don't need to eat a whole baked potato. I can have a couple of bites and and be done with it.
1: Yeah, totally agree. It's like what Rob Wolf said, this is not a religion. You know, this is just, it's a way of life. It's a a big picture thing, right? It's like you, you know the difference. You can make that educated choice. But it, this isn't something to create more stress, because that's really what it's not not about.
2: <laughs> no, I see oh. so many people beating themselves up over the fact that they had something that wasn't primal or wasn't paleo. And so, you know,
1: right.
2: don't. I mean, we have this 80-20 rule in the primal blueprint, which says, mm-hmm. you know, you strive for, for perfection. Try try to be 100%. But if you wind up at 80%, you're successful. That that works, you know. you just Nobody can be perfect, so don't don't let we also say at mark's daily apple don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good
1: yeah
2: you yep. know don't obsess over trying to hit this right the whole way because if you if you get close to it being right your life will never be the same you'll be healthier and happier and and more productive and and all the things you're looking for for decades to come
1: mhm absolutely i think that if everyone in this country went primal that exactly what you outline in this book. I think that chronic disease, uh, if it's already in place will melt away. I, I really think that it will just be eliminated. And I, I just think that that's how important I believe that this way of living is. I really do.
2: Well, uh then let's <laughs> let's do what we can to get the message out there because I agree hundred percent as well. I mean I think that you know ninety percent of all hospital visits are a result of either stress or diet. And in many cases mm-hmm. a combination of both. And the rest are a result of accidents, and stupidity, but but the ninety percent that are result, a result of stress or diet can be that can be controlled, and certainly the diet can be can be reined in. And we have some thirty plus million people in the country in the country now that are type two diabetic. That's just criminal. That doesn't yeah. have to happen.
1: Yeah.
2: Um You know, totally doesn't have to happen. Uh, the amount of yeah. stress that people are under, I I, I see that uh, that. Antipsychotic meds and anti-stress medicines and antidepressants are among the most prescribed medicines in the country. That is a devastating uh, biochemical intervention that people are doing with those, and it's sometimes very difficult to get off those. And in most cases, I say most cases, but not all. That's not an organic problem. That's a food problem, or it's something that can be addressed with a little bit of therapy or. You know, some other approach rather than just medicating and and shutting down a particular uh, genetic or enzyme pathway,
1: mhm, yeah, for sure yeah i I totally agree with you i I love I love the book, I love what you promote, I just think it's fabulous and um, I'm so glad you're able to join us on the show tonight. My pleasure, yeah, is there anything else you want to leave with our listeners before I let you go? I know that we've ran through this hour so quickly
2: uh no, it's like I think, like Rob Wolf says, and I agree, you know, you try this for, 20, for 30 days. You have nothing to lose. You know, yeah. try giving up grains and try giving up the seed oils for 30 days and see how you feel. I thought I was the one guy who could eat grains. I did research on grains going back 20 years ago. And for the, for the first 10 years of that 20 years, I kept going, wow, grains are nasty for most people. Geez, they have these lectins and these antinutrients and these gluten and phytates, all these things that make grains bad. But I'm a grain eater. I can get away with it. I'm the guy who can eat grains because I just know what I'm doing. Well, at, at some point 10 years ago, I said, well, I'm a researcher. I've done all this research. Maybe I'll just do an experiment. Maybe I'll give up grains myself for 30 days. Well, I gave up grains for 30 days, and my life changed. The arthritis that I thought was just a normal part of being 48 years old disappeared. The irritable bowel syndrome that had literally run my life for 45 years Disappeared. Um, Sinus infections that used to linger after uh, uh, allergy season disappeared. I don't have allergies. Just you know, never had allergies. But I would have sinus infections. I couldn't figure out why. Disappeared. So when I finally gave up grains, I finally, I finally saw how the fact that I didn't have celiac didn't mean I wasn't affected by grains. So I'm like the Mr. Anti Grain guy (laughs) for the rest of my life.
1: I love it. I'm the anti-grain girl, so I totally, totally, 100% agree with you. Cool. Really cool stuff. Thanks so much, Mark, for coming on the show. Where can our listeners learn more about you and get your books and all that kind uh, of stuff?
2: Marksdailyapple.com is the blog, and uh, that's that's you know where we we put down new information every day for the last five years, and then they can get the book, uh, the Primal Blueprint: Total Body Transformation, uh, starting on the 18th next week uh at uh, you know at Amazon or Barnes and Noble and um I encourage everyone to give it a try.
1: Perfect. So do I. Thanks Mark, have a fabulous night. We'll talk soon.
2: Thanks Lauren. Take care.
1: All right. Bye-bye. All right guys, that's the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the call Jimmy. Um for sure check out that book. I um Mark was so nice. He actually sent me the 21 Day Transformation book and it it looks awesome. I actually I'm committing to starting this tonight. I'm going to do this tonight and see exactly how good I feel. I already feel pretty good, but I can definitely fine-tune things a little bit. Um, But you guys can hold me accountable to this. I'm starting the 21-day transformation tonight. And uh, each show, I'll give you guys a little update on how I'm doing. So you've heard my word. (laughs) I can't go back now. Um, Check out uh, the website, DrLaurenNoel.com. You can uh, pick up any of the books that all the previous guests have have written, including Mark Sisson's book. And uh, next week's show is actually on Thursday. It's with Dr. Walter Crinian of Clean, Green, and Lean, all about how toxins make you fat, how to get rid of them, and how to lose weight at the same time. I uh, love doing the show. Thanks for listening, you guys. You mean the world to me.
0: And uh, I'll check you guys next week. Bye. Thank you